0: Hello, welcome to another Rahalastapa. This one recorded just a week ago, as before it goes out, um, which is unusual. It's the final remote Rahalastapa for the moment. I'm not saying we won't ever do them again, and I'm hoping we won't be forced to do them again. But uh, we may do the occasional one to pick up guests who are unable to get to the theatre. Um, we also might need to do a couple just to get us through to the proposed dates at the Leicester Square in the autumn. We're going to carry on going weekly. Anyway, the guest is Nigel Planer, Neil from The Young Ones, Nicholas Craig, much, much more. Um, There wasn't really time to discuss everything with his career this time, but um, some great stuff in this podcast. And he's one of my absolute comedy heroes. Um, I was in Cheddar, so there was no internet. So we had to do this with a string with some cans on the end. I hope that won't affect your enjoyment of the performance. Uh, there was a slight lag at my end, uh, which slightly means that I'm talking over uh, Nigel at a couple of points. Um, but hopefully, that won't spoil your enjoyment too much. He kept freezing and then it went bleh, 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 for me. So, quite a difficult job for me. I know lots of you complain about me talking too much or talking over the guests, but especially these, these remote ones are pretty difficult to gauge uh, when someone is about to speak, especially if they're frozen on your screen. So, you know. Think about that before you put your stupid comments in the YouTube session section, you mother friggers. Um, the rest of you are very nice, so thank you for your support. Uh, it's been lovely to do these remotely. It's even lovelier to do them live. There are still some rehearsals to come. We have got uh, next week no such thing as a fish and Izzy Sooty, the fourteenth of June at the Clapham Grand. Very excitingly, 5th of July, joining Robin Asquith from the Confessions film, which will be an amazing interview, I can promise you. We have the Chumps from the Off Menu podcast. So it might be worth booking pretty quickly for that one. If With a bit of luck, it won't be socially distanced and we can sell some more tickets. But what do you think is going to happen? Uh, But it's all social distance. It's all safe. We've had terrific fun uh, with the ones we've done. Thank you very much to the Clapham Grand for having us. Those will start up next week uh, going out as podcasts. So do enjoy those. Do look out for the Retro podcasts as well. Coming out on Fridays this week. The second appearance of David Mitchell. Which I feel is the superior of his two appearances. Because I was a bit crap on the first one I felt. Um, We may put the first one out at some point. So you can judge for yourselves. Anyway... That's enough about me. slash gigs to find out about those Clapham Grand gigs. There are some at the Leicester Square Theatre in September and October, not on sale yet. If you've bought tickets for the ones got uh, cancelled last March, your tickets will be good and we'll try and get similar lineups to those and yours your tickets will transfer to the most similar lineup, I guess. Anyway, let's have what shut up. Let's look at the podcast. We're, this is Rahalastapa, Very exciting for me. It's I think it's apt that the final remote one uh, and the, is one of my comedy here is almost bookended with the pretty much the final um, live one was with Michael Palin. And this one is with Nigel Planer, two of my fantastically great comedy influences. And as you'll see, I'm very happy to talk to him. Shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who has returned to where he was spawned. Almost not really because I was born in Yorkshire. It's Richard Herring. I'm in Somerset. Hello. Welcome to uh, Richard Herring's lo-fi Somerset transmission podcast. I've I've come back to Cheddar to see my folks, forgetting that I'd already arranged uh, to do a podcast today. So we are doing this double remotely. Chris Evans is in Wales. I'm in Cheddar in Somerset. My guest, who knows, could be in the Caribbean. I've no idea where he is. Um, and so it's great to be back in Cheddar doing this uh, from my childhood home. Although I was talking to uh, Jeff Quigley down at Maunders on Barrows Road. I generally was. I went for a run around the reservoir, bumped into the, the man who I went into railing with in 1987. Uh, and uh, he looks a lot older now, but I think I look the same. Uh, And it feels only like only yesterday. We hitchhiked around Europe together and that was insane. We were babies. We're so naive. Anyway, he calls it Rahel So his daughter apparently listens to the podcast. So hello. (laughs) And she can't believe it when I mentioned Jeff Quigley and my stuff. So there we go. So I am back in Cheddar uh, and uh, it's very nice to be here. It's kind of apt for this week's guest because this is where... It was in this house that I first became aware of this week's guest, So that's quite exciting and first saw him and where I became obsessed uh, with uh, the work and the show he was in. Uh, so it, that's quite apt, uh, but I've got, also it's good to be back seeing my parents. I haven't seen them for 18 months. So that's kind of weird there hasn't been an 18 month period in my life where I've not seen my parents in the flesh. Uh, and also, as I'm writing a new series of Relativity for this autumn, it's pretty good to get back to see them because I need material. And I got material because they'd been watching um, that programme, The uh, Naked Attraction, and they were all going on about how terrible Naked Attraction was. They couldn't believe it. Uh, and then Dad said, it's on tonight, apparently, and th- as he circled it in the Radio Times. Uh, and they were sort of pretending they didn't know what it was. They going, what has the world come to? And they started telling me about the games they played as teenagers the dating games they've had as teenagers in the late 1940s one of which was called buzz off uh in which uh, there'd be four couples and one spare person <laughs> and then they would kiss in the community center i don't know how how much they would kiss in their couples and then the man the spare one would come up and t- tell one of the guys to buzz off and take over i mean this is swinging this is worse than naked attraction and then my mum also said they played a game called winky which I thought now it's now it's getting pretty hot, uh, but uh, that was about winking at each other. A similar thing. There was one spare guy. I don't know. I don't know if the, everyone had to bring a spare guy or just there was one guy who didn't have a girlfriend, uh, and then they winked at each other. It was all. Sort of, it was very sweet and casual. But apparently, my dad first managed to kiss my mum by saying they have been going out for a few weeks and they were walking together, and he said, "Shall we play buzz off?" Uh, but they were alone, so you know that just meant. Shall we go and have a snog? I've learned things I did not need to know about my parents. Um, uh, there, there was, she was my mum told me a big story about my her grandma in Christchurch Priory wanting to go up the tower. She wasn't allowed to go up the tower but then she snuck in and went up the tower and got to the top of the tower and then looked around. It was amazing. Went down and the door was locked then she went back up the tower. And she prayed and when she went down the tower the door was open again and she said, that Jesus had opened the door for her. What I want to know is how did she know Jesus didn't lock the door in the first place and be, you know, what's Jesus doing hanging around churches locking and unlocking women up? Uh, that There's also a miracle at Christchurch Priory where a beam was cut too short when they were building it and then when they went away overnight they came back and the beam had magically was the right length and had been installed and again that was Jesus. But Jesus spends a lot of time just hanging around in churches doing pranks and stuff, it seems. So uh, it, maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it wasn't. But uh, it's. I'm getting a lot of material for my show, I have to say. Anyway, let's crack on. Uh, my guest this week is probably best known for playing Lawrence Didcot in the show Bonjour La Classe alongside previous guests. Um, Uh, And now my mind's gone. But Rebecca Callard, thank you. I've just remembered Rebecca Callard was also in Bonjour La Classe. And that's how introduced her. Will you please welcome the incredible uh, absolute hero of mine. It's Nigel Plainer, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Hello, Nigel. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Bonjour. Bonjour La Classe. What are are your memories of uh, Bonjour La Classe? Oh, I I love doing
1: Bonjour La Classe. I kind of... uh, I worked with the with the writers Smith and Kayam yeah, um, quite a lot to make that to make that character. They just came to me actually with a page, which doesn't often happen. Yeah, with a page of, of, of the thoughts of this French teacher, and it, I just identified because I'd had a French teacher like that. I just love that the over enthusiastic teacher yeah who says you know now i want you all to be very kind to botany today because his his parents are separating so nobody bully botany today
0: okay and (laughs) thinks he's done botany a favor (laughs) (laughs) oh good well i'm glad i'm glad you recall recall it fondly i did watch i I watched everything uh, that all of you guys did in those early days i was obsessed with with comedy, so I do. I do remember it, and uh, it is. It's, do you remember Rebecca Cullard being in it, being one of that? She's gone on to be a pretty successful actor. I think she was playing one of the students. Rebecca Cullard. she's uh, Oh yes, yeah. I've,
1: I keep bumping into quite a few of them. Brian <coughs> Dick is another one. Right. Very, very uh, brilliant guy who played Ernie Wise in that in that play about Eric and Ernie. Right. So oh, great. Yes. With Victoria Woods play, and uh he's. Been, I've, I've worked with him a couple of times since. Right. All those kids who were just like the school kids. Yeah. You know, you meet them quite shortly afterwards because, of course, people grow up so fast. Yeah, and there, yeah, Rebecca, and uh, it was good. There was a lovely scene at the end where the school orchestra uh, is is gathered, and there's a. They had the whole, the actual school orchestra. Yeah, and Lawrence is singing too enthusiastically along the back row, uh, as you know. The teachers who would always sing in the very, yes. know, very very high <laughs> voice and really put their full energy in and um he sort of trips and stumbles and it's a lovely shot we could only do one take he stumbles and falls forward on the whole row of bassoons or you know the the brass section who fall forward and i and he literally falls down three four rows and the entire orchestra are flattened because it's (laughs) like dominoes and that was good i'm not good on stunts but that was that was such fun to do that
0: yes well we might get there are a few stunts uh i, I recall but yes so let's talk about our, our our uh relationship with each other, which is not i mean i was a, a just i was a huge fan of all the uh the 80s comedy and that was for me all of especially the young ones was um was sort of my punk rock, and and that was the the epiphany for me. I'd love Python and all that stuff, and I'd been into that, but the young ones were sort of our our generation's thing that made it, made it look like comedy might be a possible thing to make a career of. But uh, um, but I'd, we very early on, Stuart and I met you uh, once we'd started yeah, working professionally, and I'm I remember. Do it. you remember what? that... So I'm struggling to remember what the project was. Oh, I, uh, the- I
1: think, I've been thinking about it since I yeah. knew I was coming on here. I think it was for a project that was, ended up being called Wake Up With. Right. That was about Jonathan and Libby Hughes, which was myself and, and Susie Blake. Right. And we were, it sounds very prescient, this. It was like a, 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 a Richard and Judy couple. Ah, right. Who are having a divorce, and her ex-husband is the producer, played by Stephen Moore. And um, they've got to carry on with their show um, because they are the daytime TV. They do a show called Wake Up With. It's based on a book that I wrote with Terence Blacker or Terence Blacker wrote with me called Let's Get Divorced. Um, (laughs) And um, with two smiling people, you know, I had the, the hair and the looking very, very sort of healthy and sporty and they they want to get a divorce and they, they that'll ruin the show. They can't they can't get divorced. Yeah. So they just, they invent this thing called positive divorcehood, <laughs> and they decide to produce a book and go out in public, going you know, hey, it's okay being separate and yet together. You know. <laughs> yes. Of and this was this was a long time ago. And nowadays that doesn't seem so surprising, does no, it? No. Often. Uh, anyway, we yeah. we only got to make the pilot right. of this thing. Um, for ITV, I think. And um, unfortunately, it didn't go to series. And uh, maybe because y- you didn't write the script. We didn't write either. it. I'm not
0: sure. I think uh, my memory is that, and I remember very little about it, but I remember it about it being something about a, a panel show, and this might have been someone else <laughs> as well, uh, that you were going to be a judge or something. It was like a Judge Judy sort of thing, I think. It was it was that is what i remember so it was with a a
1: producer called jamie ricks wasn't it do you remember jamie ricks yeah it definitely was jamie ricks yeah Yeah. that's what i remember and it was an office in the riverside studios yeah that's right and (laughs) you guys were sort of fresh out of university yeah and I don't think you'd even done your sketch TV show. By no, the we hadn't. Tonight. It would have been,
0: we probably, probably had done On The Hour and done, maybe done a bit of stuff. On The Hour, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we were right. Well, maybe not even On The Hour.
1: I don't think right, we even in, uh, had done On The Hour because that was... It was very early. We did like and was... On The Hour was the radio version, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, of, of the day-to-day, was... yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you'd probably just done it On The Hour. Yeah. Anyway, Jamie Ricks was producer and he, the reason I thought it was that let's get divorced type thing... Um, was because he was the producer on that. Right, it might be that. I I don't remember a judge thing. (laughs) Whatever um, happened. Looking at you on... We didn't work
0: together.
1: Wikipedia. Um... I thought, oh, so they took that idea then and made a whole TV series <laughs> out of it. That's right. What, what always happens uh, with, with your, what was it called, Richard and Judy? This, this
0: morning, Richard, not Judy, yeah, which it was, that was, yeah, that yeah. was just very much. Used, Slightly different. Yeah, it was just using the format yeah. of a morning show to do comedy, yeah. really. It wasn't really uh, about uh, Richard and Judy themselves. Um, I had some great uh, teeth made to play this <laughs> presenter Thanks. guy.
1: Uh, very sort of big prominent front teeth so that he could smile with a big tooth smile. And I had a, a, a sort of blow dried under wig. Right. And he'd wear kind of white suits and casual it Sounds good.
0: Well, you types. know, again, but that would have been and, again, pre, it's sort of like where Alan Partridge is not quite Alan yeah, Partridge is it's where the, his latest show is sort of headed into that. Thing. Pre-Alan Partridge. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and I, also, <laughs> I remember cause at the time it, I was, um, very, um, I was in the news a lot and I you know I got I got recognized a lot in the street and sometimes it was a hassle. Sure. And I, and I could put on um the, he was called Jonathan Hughes this character. I just put on Jonathan Hughes' teeth and wig <laughs> and used to wander around in true kind of whoever is it Brad Pitt style, yeah. you know. I'd wander around looking like Richard Madeley. And it was uh <laughs> It was. It was again. It was a good adventure. It was a good fun to Oh, uh,
0: that sounds incredible. I, I, I mean, I wish I'd been involved in it, and I wish it had gone to serious because it sounds amazing. Uh, I then the other time that our lives crossed, I spent quite a lot of time uh, in one of your houses, uh, and because oh, yes. I you was, you said, yeah, yeah, I was well, dating. Tell me about that. I was dating uh, someone who was trying to be a writer, and she and she started doing a writing partnership with your. Wife at the time, she was my girlfriend at the time and your wife at the time. But I think, uh, I think you were selling the house because maybe she wasn't going to be your wife for very much longer. Uh, but I we, I would go around there and they were writing a sitcom together. And I'd go around and sometimes I was sort of script editing it, so I sort of went and helped a little bit. And then my girlfriend Ah, at the time was saying, Oh, you know, know. you're looking for a house. This house is this house is on the market. You should buy this, you should buy this house. Was it a big house? It was a pretty big house. It was sort of a, a it's, I remember it being a square around a little courtyard, sort of in Kingston or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It, no, I know exactly the time you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, and that's all accurate.
0: And, and she,
1: you say she was a would-be writer, but she went on to become an incredibly successful writer. She did, writer. yeah, yeah. Didn't she, she did, Kelly? Yeah. Um, and she wrote um, uh, something Mr Banks. Yeah, Saving Mr Banks. Called. She's written some amazing saving stuff. Saving Mr Banks, yeah. she wrote. And at the time, she showed, because I was... A, a friend of hers before she met my ex-wife right. and she, she used to come around when I was living on the boat and show me all these things she'd she'd written um and they were all doable ideas you know yeah, what I mean yeah. that she'd had developed yes. they were all things that you could actually say no we could you could develop that yeah you know and didn't she go to america and get she went to america she wrote of... a
0: big uh sci-fi Thing I can't remember what it's called, but it was like a huge hit. Yeah, she. I lent her and some money, she, and she
1: came back and said, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to work there. I want to come yeah. back to yeah. to England." Yeah, she's. Yeah. I think
0: she wrote fifth, the film of Fifty Shades of Grey, though she wasn't very happy with the way that turned out. But, oh, that's right. Yeah. I knew. So, she So you had, know, she's uh, gone on to be much yeah, more successful. Yeah. But I read in the paper that I don't know if it's the same house, but the house that I that I thought about buying. Uh, the the tide came in and covered the garden and the, the, I read an interview with you about your property. Uh, had, is is that's a different house? Oh, that's uh, right. I thought, yeah, no, I no. thought she'd tried to stitch me up
1: because <laughs> you know, it wasn't. No, a- no, that was, uh, that would, at the time, it was a very stressful time <laughs> yeah, right. uh, uh, because I wasn't earning much money and we, we bought this place that was on one of those little islands on the towns, right? and we were trying to get planning permission and it had to be put on stilts and the tide came over the garden right. and it, it, was, it was a sort of financial disaster for us We right. just didn't have enough, uh, you know, you'd need a lot of time and money to make something like that work. Yeah. It was a bit of a romantic decision. Sure. And so I extended more rather than pulled back <laughs> and bought the house that you're talking about right. and, and did it up. It was very nice. In, in order to, in order to make up the, because uh, it was a, uh, it was in quite a bad state. Right. And we did it up in order to make up the losses on the on the. So at the time I was having two properties and renting until they were livable. Right. And I was working in fringe theatre um, <laughs> at three hundred and fifty pounds a week. Oh my goodness! Uh, I thought. Yeah. That was it. That was quite a tough time yeah.
0: to, to, to sort of have the strain of that. Yeah. Sometimes. I'm but glad.
1: it came out good.
0: It, I, it came out good in the end, yeah. you know. You sold it in the end. I'm glad I didn't bump into you then stressed out and unhappy and <laughs> yeah. me saying, Who's this? Who's this, drinking, Who's this in my house? Drinking Get out, out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, um, there's so much to talk to you about, so let me have a look and see what where we're going to go. Um, I'm sort of always, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm always fascinated about uh, '80s the '80s comedy circuit, um, yeah. and uh, you obviously were a huge part of that in the sort of early days of the comedy store with uh, Peter Richardson uh, in a, in a double act. How did you How did you two get together, and and what was what were those early days like for you of, of sort of go? I presume you were working as actors, but then tried out comedy as well.
1: Well, uh, no, not no. quite. In, in fact, I've been speaking to Peter a lot uh, uh, recently. We we stayed in touch, but I've been we've been actually been having long conversations, trying to remember those times recently. And the strange thing is that he remembers a completely different <laughs> sequence of events from me he i had our first meeting down at one place he had it somewhere else he's le- whole years have disappeared and he remembers things that i have completely forgotten so everything i say about it should be you know it's all subjective <laughs> of course. i didn't realize how memory is like it's like a muscle isn't it it's not a it is. it's not actually a bank <laughs> where the memories are kept it's just an instinct and a feeling isn't yes. it yes but as i remember it um, we met at the at Glastonbury Festival. Um, okay. He lived, he was barefoot at the time and uh, living in a van. And I was just an ordinary, he was up on the hill at Glastonbury and I was down among the, the mould, the fungi of all the tents. Yeah. And uh, it was the early, I think it was the first time they'd had the pyramid. And uh, we had a mutual friend who was a, a an antique dealer who also had a van up on the top of the thing. And, and we met and it was, he had been an actor. He'd been at uh, drama school. I'd been a dropout. I was originally an actor in my teens and stuff. Sure. And then I'd been a dropout of university and then I'd been traveling. And then I was, uh, uh, sort of nowhere and Decided I wanted to go to to drama school like I'd originally wanted to do, but hadn't done. Sure. And uh, I was just really pleased to meet on that kind of scene that I was on um, someone who knew, you know, who knew who Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa were, but also knew who Chekhov and Ibsen were (laughs) because, you know, it's uncool. It was it was not the coolest thing to say. I want to be an actor, chap, when everyone really just wants to play lead guitar solos and be stoned. That was the, the, the that was the scene. Yeah. And um, so it was nice to meet him, and we kind of said oh, we'll meet up again, next year. And I went and worked. His parents ran a. Ran a sort of summer school farm for for kids whose, parents had abandoned them over the summer. Okay. Like sort of. Ambassadors Children and God knows what yeah. in Dartmoor, in the middle of Dartmoor. And he said, do you want to come and teach on that? And I said, yeah, all right, um, teach what? And he said, oh, it doesn't, you know, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Um, we'll make some films and do some improvisations. The kids love that. And so that's what we did. And I I lost eight kids in the middle of Dartmoor and had to be rescued because <laughs> I wasn't very good at the Oriental part. <laughs> or the sports part or anything. But that's how we we kind of, that's how we connected and we we started improvising and doing funny stuff then. And then when I, he helped me actually with my, I had an audition for a drama school for Lambda and I showed him my auditions because he was the only other kind of actor person I knew. I didn't know it was possible. And so I got a place in the drama school and it turned out that he'd parked his new van which was a big van with a drum kit in it where he where he was now living a big uh bed for lorry outside this antique dealer guy's house which happened just so happened to be just around the corner from my drama school right so of an evening after college I'd go into his van and we'd start that's where Neil comes from right. and that's where all the characters we did and that's where our act came from right. we, we devised a show called rank yeah um and with with pete Richards, who turned into pete's peter's partner pete richardson and pete richards yeah it's confusing but at that part time we met pete richards who also came to sort of write and direct our show rank which was about the windsor pop festival right which the police, uh, you won't remember, it's probably before you were born because it's 19. (laughs) When were you born? I was born in
0: 1967, so I think it was after I was born. But
1: yeah, but you're about four. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, something like that. And the police um, took the opportunity to sort of create a riot and clear the the thing out of Windsor Park. And that was the theme of our story. Right. And my character from Fistful of Traveller's Checks Paul yes the the Mandrax freak from that it was is the sort of main linking character in that show okay. rank and he was looking for his daughter Julie but then he kept falling asleep and smashing people's guitars and stumbling through the the festival <laughs> yes and on the main stage were all the acts and Peter was uh, one of the presenters he was also playing the chief of police plotting to destroy us all okay. and uh And he introduced Neil, that was the Neil, Neil was the one of the acts in that, in that show. Right. And he reminded me the other day, he said, oh, you remember that time after we'd been rehearsing, we took over a a whole house to rehearse and improvise in Ashburton, in Devon. Mm. And to make it soundproof, we moved all these straw bales up into the, to the uh, you know in, into the room so that we could have the band in because we had a, it was a rock show you know yeah and um so we got thrown out for the fire <laughs> risk so we had to go and rehearse in this little barn up in the middle of dartmoor but um yeah he said do you remember it was here in this in we were in ashburton right. which is where this place was he this was recently he said don't you remember? The one thing you wanted to cut when we were rehearsing it was was Neil. Because you thought that (laughs) it was sort of just pathetic. It was a stupid act. (laughs) And he thinks it's because the band stopped laughing. When I first did it, the joke is quite obvious, you know. The the joke of Neil saying, I'm going to do a couple of songs for you and they're both pretty bad so i'm going to do the worst one first so the second one won't seem quite so bad that that sort of routine yeah and when you first do it in rehearsal you know the band all pissed themselves and then after sort of three or four rehearsals they stopped laughing so i lost confidence and peter said okay we'll just give it one just give it that first gig and try it and of course um that was the best thing the audience <laughs> loved this character neil and so neil was in but wow. we, i was really kicked everything yeah, i was trying sort proper, of amazing
0: yeah it's amazing um it's you know yeah, sorry sorry I'm, i've got a slight delay on the on the thing so sorry for talking over there um it's I, I just thought it was amazing how many characters might have disappeared, you know, from the comedy lexicon in the same way, the things that you, you pull out of and that one pulls out and goes, oh, I don't want to do that. And it could have gone on to be something amazing. It's sort of cra- yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. to think of how much is lost and by just by that, because it is very difficult, that period where you're going, is this even funny before you've put it in front of an audience? It's very easy, yeah. very easy to pull out. Well, and
1: also you could uh, you <coughs> could put it in front of the wrong audience. Yes. We had a character that made us uh, me and Rick and Aid when we were preparing a young ones tour. We had a, we all sort of put in. It wasn't just young ones. We'd put in lots of other characters to to, to do the first half of the show. And I invented this character Mortim Vaughan, who was very Steve Coogan type character, who was an entertainer. Um. Who'd had enough, and his wife, had left, and he was smoking a fag, and he had a comb over, <laughs> and a big. I happened to, I don't know why, I had a big pink frilly shirt, you know, down the front, like a Steve Coogan. Can't remember that character he did. Yeah, yeah. But this guy Mortimer Vaughan, really, he was a singer, and he was just—he's like, oh, he couldn't, he just couldn't uh, manage the gig, and he's just sort of going through the motions and saying, "I'll sing the song," and all that. And, Somebody call it. when are we leaving? And all that. And uh, and then he had a heart attack. In the, and he said, no, oh, oh, no, no, that's, no, seriously. That, no, honestly. And he, he's <laughs> he's on the ground saying, no, seriously, could you call an ambulance? Like that. And we just thought it was so funny in the rehearsals. And we tried it out first night in a very big venue. Yeah. In Manchester, I think it was, or Sheffield. And they just thought, this is shit <laughs> the, the audience just thought "What's the, the hell's funny about this he's just some old ass, you know yeah. having a heart attack what's so funny about that it was like um, and then he had to be dragged off I think like a la Tommy Cooper yes. under the, 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 the curtain but it's one of those things where I mean we had three weeks of rehearsal where we thought we had an absolute winner with that one because we we were pissing ourselves. <laughs> and that he only got one outing. But if he'd ever been, maybe, if it had been a little pub theatre and it could have been intimate and they could have seen what he was going through and he started, you know, saying it was all his wife's fault <laughs> when he was dying and, you know, he was down with his heart. He was, he was very, I thought he was funny. Yeah. But it was just the wrong audience to try him out on.
0: Yes, yes well it's, it's interesting there's a lot of there's just a lot of there's some there's a lot of luck and chance and you know you've got to come up with the ideas and yeah. clearly you guys were shooting out ideas at that point you know it's incredible to think you were making up within that show you're discussing that you were sort of you know creating things that would that would come to fruition in all those comic strip shows and 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 obviously everything else that follows it's, it's it's wonderful when you have that 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 level of creativity i think isn't it and it often happens when you're young and uh you know just starting out that you just ideas are spilling out of you which they clearly were then um and, and so you took you took you took these that was obviously like a, a touring show that, that that then what sort of drew you to to going to do that in, in sort of chunks at uh, the comedy store and the comic strip uh you mean the uh rank well yeah you and peter uh, the, then. The, would, yeah, would yeah that show yeah. that
1: peter show yeah we did that at the roundhouse right uh, originally, just just a couple of weeks, the roundhouse downstairs. One summer when everybody was up in Edinburgh, okay. So we we uh, got all the audience and the and the journalists who hadn't gone to Edinburgh, and so we got an awful lot of uh, coverage right. for this, the one show that didn't go to Edinburgh, sort of thing, and uh, we got an arts council grant for some rather sort of uh um i don't think we did half the gigs were on the list of gigs we were meant to be doing and we bought the pa this was all against my better judgment i mean peter was very sort of what's the word just went ahead and did things right. without really consulting anybody <laughs> okay. i don't know what the word is for that he just said oh you know we're going to do that that's what we're going to do and he didn't really uh, just, he's quite I mean, you must know, or I don't know. Maybe you had an absolutely charmed double act. I wouldn't say with Stewart, but <laughs> it, it, it's every. But there isn't a double act that doesn't have, you know, some kind of feistiness of course, going yeah, yeah. on. And and uh, you know, I'm sure I was uh, a pain in the ass as well. But we, we, it was quite difficult. Yeah. Uh, Dealing with what's he done next, Do you know what yes. I mean? Anyway, we spent the money on a PA. And as it turns out, he was right, because that's the PA we then went on to use at the comic strip. And, we, you know, we couldn't afford to buy a sound system when we went to the comic strip. Yeah. But we had this massive rock and roll sound system okay. that we'd spent our Arts Council grant on. Um, and we just, I still had nightmares of the sort of the big door, closing behind you when you went back into the arts council <laughs> and the door would close and they say, where's our two grand or whatever it was, you know, where's the money gone? Um, you know, but, uh, and we took it on tour with a, with a rock band and we supported, it was meant to be a theater band show, you know, yeah. but we, the only gigs we could get supporting, we supported motorhead. <laughs> we supported, um, ACDC, blimey uh we supported who else did we go on for i can't remember it was like a university's tour yeah and we were playing we were playing about 30 characters with full costumes and everything quick changes and god knows what and we put some some of our own songs in it was a mess actually by then the show was a mess so we left it and we it, it it was a bit of a it didn't really work, right. that second incarnation of this show. And then uh, I had to get, I didn't have an equity card, and at the time that meant you couldn't work yeah. properly. So I went off and got some some jobs. We didn't see each other for a year or two, and then I saw the ad for the, for the comedy store saying we're going to start up the comedy store, and I tempted or bullied Peter to come down with me, and we used, in, instead of having costumes and characters and a rock band and a all those other expensive things we just said let's just you and me we'll just go up with a microphone we'll just do what people think I mean that's that's what you would do these days yeah, isn't yeah. it but in those days to say well we can do the whole thing <laughs> just us you know yeah. we'll just do it and, and if we if you want to shoot me I'll go in the neck I'll go oof, 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 like this so we'll just use some crap mine Yeah. And we'd do the whole thing with crap mine, just ourselves. And we did Space Invaders, a piss take of space. You know the, those little I do remember uh, games. One of the early games. And we did uh, ACDC Ten, <laughs> which was uh, a hijacking story right. of a man who shoots somebody. It was sort of movie spoofs. And we did stars- uh What was it called? Starsky and Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys jump driving down through San Francisco, bumping on you know a car chase the way they're all going up and down. Yeah, yes. Because yeah. San Francisco's got the streets like that, and they were obviously very in love. Right, Starsky and Bitch, and we did. Are you being severed? <laughs> which, <laughs> which we ended up doing on on some TV show that was called something like Friday night and Saturday morning or that sort of. It was a late night. Yeah. Chat show yeah. where they had floating uh, hosts. Um, so one week it would be, nowadays it would be, I don't know, a comedian. And then it would be Jeremy Paxman would be the host right. that week or whatever. And it was a woman whose name, I'm sorry, I've forgotten, but she was a around the world yachts woman. Okay. And she's very sort of attractive and blonde and uh, well, well presented, you know, and she said, and now Ni- Nigel Plainer and Peter Richardson are going to perform Are You Being Severed? And it's two uh, villains done in the sitcom style. So one of them's going ding-dong, ding-dong, and he drags in the body. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, I don't know, what should we do with him? And the blood goes everywhere. He says, oh, I didn't know he was going to be a spurter. More renal, kill me. Um, so they saw up the body. And they're, mm, 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 and they're... sawing <laughs> off the knob. And every time there's a sort of really, really gross bit, the camera cut back to this poor round-the-world yachtswoman with a sort of fixed grin going, Ha-ha-ha. Ha-ha-ha. And uh, <laughs> I had lines like, you know, Oh, yeah, I'll pour, would you pour me a stiff drink? And I don't mean I'm going to dabble my knob in it. Sort of jokes like jokes like that it was yes. sort of sitcom in the style of it, it was it was just sopranos in the style of a sitcom yes. you know and uh this poor i don't, can't remember her name but we put her through it was must have been <laughs> hell for her sitting through that oh. but yes yeah, so we had a sort of high energy crap mime double act yes called the outer limit yes and, and then it, as it developed, we we started doing solo bits in it. So there was Neil's act, and then Peter did Ken, the photographer, the disgusting um, fallopian tube photographer, right. and I'd play sort of page. He was a page. I played a song I wrote, a song called Page Three Girls, to to play while he did all this. He was playing a horrible, horrible photographer yeah. man. and um, there's quite a lot of, there were different things and gradually once it was at the comic strip, it became such a set show. It was no longer the, and the, and, and the generation of material sort of gradually stopped and it became that show right. four times a week or or whatever it was.
0: And did it, as you were doing this and as the comic strip was taking off and the comedy store was taking off, did you feel like you were at the centre of something that was was going to be as big as it was? Because obviously not everyone became huge TV stars, but many, many of them did. And and, and many still had fantastic uh, stand-up careers, even if they didn't make the TV. Did Did it feel like something revolutionary was happening and you were... Going yeah, it, it did. I yeah. mean, it
1: for Linda Sale, Alexi's wife, always says, "Oh, you know that thing where there's always a party. That's that you'd think, so, oh, I wonder if it's better at that party. There's always a, and when you're at a party, yeah, yeah, you I think, think, I wonder if there's any better than you know, grass is always greener." Sure. And she said, "The brilliant thing about that period is we were at the party. Yeah. You know, we were at the right party, so it did have that feeling. But I didn't know." anything about the power of television I just thought I'm at the party I always wanted to be at this is you know this is the stuff I want this is it I'm I'm there where I wanted to be but I didn't realize that when somebody goes out on you know that the the implications of that and the publicity which is what everyone asks about like oh did you know how powerful it was going to be or how important or all of that and I was completely unaware of that it was, I mean... Because it's a surprise, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, if what you like turns out to be <laughs> what everyone else likes, then that that was surprising. Not used to that.
0: Yeah. But, I, you know, with the young ones, I just remember, I mean, so few TV shows came along that were aimed at what felt like, you know, a teen... I was a teenager at the time, but, you know, there'd been... Not that I got news, but that had been... That had probably been four or five years before, you know. It had been several years before, and you're waiting yeah. and waiting, and I knew this thing was coming... And mm-hmm. I knew about uh, I'd, what I, I was I was a big fan of Kevin Turvey's by this stage, you know, so I knew that Rick May was in it and I knew and, you know, I knew, I knew a, a bit about the about the rest of you from what I'd seen by, you know, finding those shows. But it, there was a real excitement about it before it even began. So, you know, it's, it was it was sort of it, it felt like everything came together. The stars aligned for that show and that it was and so many people of my generation so many comedians of my generation that was the that was sort of the moment for them where they where that kind of went bang this is this is our thing we like monty python but this is our thing and this is you know yeah. and this yeah. feels possible you know it just i think that's that it just made everything seem possible the thing that i wanted to ask you about the young ones and i've never really quite got to the bottom of it is that clearly the mike character was was written for Peter Richardson, it seemed to me. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, he didn't end up playing. it. And that was with the greatest respect to Christopher, Christopher Ryan. But that was for me, the, 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 the character that in the young was even as a 14 year old thing. thinking there's that there's something that doesn't quite work about it. Um, why did, was it, was it, was it his decision? Was it Peter's decision not to? It was a, oh, it's a, it's yes. It's quite convoluted yeah. story.
1: It's, it's, to try and sort of uh, 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 shrink it down a bit. Um, Peter was like the, the saw himself as the custodian of the group. He created this group. He'd taken us from the comedy store to the comic strip. Yeah. And from his point of view, um, this was his group. It was a cult. He was the leader. That's right. (laughs) That was, that was what was going on in his mind. (coughs) of course, Paul Jackson producer had been down and seen us at the comedy store not not necessarily at the comic strip and there were a lot of tv people coming and there were a lot of tv shows there was even one called Book 'em and risk it which is a horrible imagine signing up saying yes I'll do that Book 'em and risk it yeah that, that's terrible yeah. anyway there were, there were lots of people trying to to get a slice of this new stand-up explosion, yeah. this new comedy explosion onto television. Um. And we did a show called boom, boom out, go the lights, um, which was Paul Jackson. Um, and Peter and I have been to see him. I uh, heard tell of him and we, we, he gave us an interview and when it came to do the show, he he didn't want a book. Adrian and he didn't want to book Peter he he wanted to split the double act up in the way the BBC does but it wasn't just that to speak on his defense he had only a one chance at it because they weren't going to give him everything he wanted first up he was only you know he was only he said he said I'll do you two shows and one of them was I can't remember what, was a more digestible, normal BBC show. Yeah. And the other one, I want to try these new comics from Soho, from the from the comedy store. They weren't going to let it spread all over the place. No. So he felt he had to take the sort of, the peak moments and cut them together. Um, and and it, fair enough, you know. Yeah. He then did a second one and he did include Adrian and he included Peter. But Peter was well miffed at the idea that the that double x should be split up right and evidently i didn't know this but later there was a thing where paul had said he was interested in the whole comic strip but he didn't want the girls right no i don't i i don't remember that but and peter was saying no you either take what i say you take yeah. which is all of us or you take now because he's that's the sort of it was a personality clash I think you've got Paul who's the ultimate sort of practical do what's possible now get a foot in the door then do the next bit then do that and and somehow we'll find a way through and Peter who's got this attitude of unless I can have a hundred percent the integrity the way I see it I'm not doing it sure and those two uh, I get caught between the two and and I um I'm very lucky because I get to do both. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I get, I get to, I get the goodies from both of those because yeah. I'm, I'm sort of sympathetic to both sides of that argument. But um, and anyway, so sort of, there was a falling out between Paul and Peter. That's that's really. I mean, I'm I, I can I'm just going back over what I've said right. now. Is anybody going to be offended by what I just <laughs> said? Well, it's tough.
0: I mean, that that's. How I know, I saw but it's it. sort of anyway. it. You know, I I sort of assume yeah i sort of assumed it was something along those i've i uh, paul was uh, very influential in getting um our second lot of uh, tv shows going so i've got you know i've got a lot of respect for paul but i also do love uh, what peter's done so i i can see i can i, can, yeah. I kind of felt that might be it was that was it did it put a strain between you two, though, that you ended up doing it and he did. not yeah. So it was, it was. Yeah,
1: it did. Which is why it's so good. Recently,
0: yeah. we've been having these long conversations, kind of
1: memoir type conversations. Yeah. And we've been through all this material. And, you know, we've stayed very, cl- you know, very warm yeah. and close. But it did at the time put a put a, a, a wedge between us. Sure. Um, and I always felt I was. I suppose that's another matter yeah but it it did I mean and Peter was well miffed of course. and but it he now also sees that if he had played that part he wouldn't have been happy he wouldn't have been good at it it wouldn't have suited him. he did he likes making films yeah he likes doing two or three takes getting it right he likes the artifice and the and the you know the control that you had that the artistry yes. in a film. And the idea of just cutting something together to get the joke done, Yes. It, it, Peter would would have just he would have freaked out. And then putting a live audience while you're trying to cut it, which is what of course a live sitcom is—you've yeah. got an audience, and the camera, the visions of mixers trying to get all the different cameras—and Peter would have just had
0: a meltdown doing it. Yeah, like that's, that. interesting. And, that's interesting. That's interesting because I can you know I can completely see him doing it, and and I think. And, and hitting the right, it, you know, it it did work. And I, but it, but as it was, of course. Um, but I think that's interesting that possibly and I hadn't considered that that possibly the wrong personality type in there could have blown the whole thing apart as well. You know, and a very well, strong personality in that part could have actually destroyed the. the yeah, story.
1: I mean that's we 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 a lot of other people were considered. Um, and I think actually we got lucky with Chris Ryan. Mm. I think poor poor guy he gets. People like this podcast going, oh, yeah, well, he was the wrong guy, wasn't he? For this major job that, that he's done. He's an incredibly funny man. Um, he was the one making us all laugh. Sure. He's, he's, he's very, very funny. And if you think, what, a, what a, a, a thing to be thrown. Oh, here's this part. We've all been working together yeah. for sort of five years now, and we know each other's ways, and we've all written each other's parts and know each other's jokes. And we're all kind of really thick with each other. Do you fancy coming and being the other one who hasn't really been quite written properly yet? (laughs) Do you want to? You know, what do you? What do you? Do you fancy that? And um, I, I personally think if he hadn't done it the way he did it, yeah, I, I think we we would have lost a lot. I think if we'd had another wild and crazy guy, sure, I don't think it would have been as good. I think he's actually the anchor for the whole thing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. It's rather like if you watch M- Morecambe and Wise, you laugh at M- Morecambe, Morecambe, Morecambe. But if you look at the same routine again and just block Morecambe out and look <laughs> at what Ernie Wise is doing, yeah. he's a genius of of suggestion. Yeah. It's what he, it's what's in his eyes and where he looks, and then he looks over there, and then it's just he's he's just willing it forward. Yeah. And I I see Chris like that. Is he's, He's just kind of making sure that we can all be as funny as
0: we are. I think I do think he's he sort of saved the day, really. Sure, I can I can I completely see what you're saying, and I, and I you know it does. That's very interesting. I think just like as a, as a fan of you know, the the comic strip and all that you guys have done together. I guess there's just as a fan of it. And you know, as a comedian now, I know how annoying this stuff is as well. I know how annoying fans are when they go, "Well, I didn't like that one as much as this one." Um, so I understand, or I understand both perspectives of it. But uh, yeah, I think that's. I think maybe what what jarred was that the, the 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 other three of you, you know, that he probably was just trying to find his place in it as much as anything. But you're right. I think it did it did work for the for the character. And why would a cool guy? Hang around with those. It's the sort of Fonz question. Is it why is yeah. the Fonz hanging around with all those idiots in Milwaukee? Why? Why was Mike? If someone had done that and and made it even cooler in a, in a in in any sort of way, in a it would, real cool, it, way. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah, would have been yeah. wrong as well. So yeah, man, it's such a good series. I wanted the thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I don't want to talk about the old ones too much because there's so much else to talk about. Um, Paul Putner, who was in, in a lot of my stuff, uh, was. Wrote a very oh, nice yeah, piece yeah. about uh, going to see the Bambi episode, uh, and then Nick, Re- yeah, which was yeah. lovely. And Nick Revel, he was in the audience of it. Uh, Nick Revel, um, the comedian, then tweeted and said that after that performance, you and he had gone for a curry and been attacked by some guys. Do you rem- do you remember that? It's- yeah, I certainly do. Yeah.
1: It wasn't. Um, well, this is memory yeah. again. You see. It was a Greek, not a (laughs) country. That's very important. (laughs) It's very important, yeah. Because it was right by the the, uh, BBC, it was at Shepherd's Bush. And um, it was, uh, my stepson was with us too. Right. It wasn't just me and Nick. And some guys came up and uh, drunk. And they later said at the court case that they thought, we were other somebody else right, or something. But then that made it okay to come and punch me in the face right. and headbutt me and, oh, and uh, you know, uh, generally beat us up. And Nick Nick ran over the road and phoned the police, which was a sensible thing to do, because uh, in those days you didn't have mobiles. No. You had to go yeah. to the phone box. And I managed to, my stepson, I said, look, <coughs> run the other way. And but it, it it could have got nastier. There were three guys. One of them was very big, and they had um, uniforms on okay. of a secure, a very well-known security company. Okay. Which, uh, when we reported to the police, that little fact got obliterated from the report. Okay. Strangely, nice. I don't know why or what was going on there. Mm. But they were uniformed employees of a very famous security company. Right. <laughs> fucking excuse me yeah. anyway um we were rescued by dave barton who was the special effects guy <laughs> he's now sadly uh died oh. but he was a, a scotsman a very very um you know one of those people who's very highly energized and everything's going to be <laughs> everything's got to be uh sort of at, uh, in in second gear driven up 40 miles an hour a second, you know, yeah. he's always on. And he he was a great bloke. And he saw, he was from Glasgow, and he saw over the road. He was coming to the Greek too. <laughs> and he vaulted over the middle thing in the road, yeah. jumped over and came and headbutted the guy and floored him. Right. By which time the police arrived and arrested Dave uh. Barton. <laughs> it was a good evening yeah (laughs) and then paul jackson arrived making sure everything was emollient as usual you know he was he was in charge it was he did well and um we were in the back of a police van because we were then all taken back to the station and um in the police van they were all going Oh, heavy" to me, and <laughs> quoting from the Young Ones. That's how I remember it. Now, Bambi—that <coughs> means Bambi must have been in the second series, was it? Yes, it, it was. I that think would it was. completely ruin my story if if Bambi was in the first series, because it hadn't been out. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But it's, if it's in the second series, yeah, Bambi's in the second. I'm
0: sure series. it was. It was. I mean, it's sort of the classic episode. It's it's you know, yeah. out of all of them. There's so much great stuff in that one. And again, the poor, the 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 thing that Paul revealed in his write up was, I think, was the the eclair falling onto you all. Oh yeah, was, happened yeah. live. And you you get quite badly yeah, you get yeah. quite badly hurt from that as well? As <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, they all they all have a go at me for being such a hypochondriac. But the point is, I'm taller than all of them, right. so I took the full weight of the eclair. If you see what I mean. And it was it's was a good, you know twenty foot long,
0: three foot high bit of sponge which landed on my neck. Yeah. yeah. So you had that and you thought, well, that's my bad luck for the day out and then you walked out and were headbutted by yeah. a man in the street. Yes. And then had your catchphrase thrown at you. Um Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh well look what well one more thing about, the time's rushing by, but the other thing about Neil was obviously the 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 pop career, which meant that you ended up being at the recording of, do they know it's Christmas?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I got a call from, from Sir Bob, who wasn't Sir Bob at the time, was he? No, um, saying, come along, we're going to do this thing. And I, um, I didn't want, it seemed to me, I was quite purist about these things and it, it, it seemed, I was quite well informed on, on third world. Uh, matters yeah. because of my. Um, I did that was what I'd studied at university, even though I dropped right. out. Um, and it seemed to me that being coming along in a comedy character, it, it, somehow it wasn't. I I'm, I always found that in the in comic relief in later days as well. That you know that was fun, wasn't it? And now let's look at some. Now let's look at some poor children with flies on their eyes. Yeah. You know, it I always found it slight, slightly jarring. Yeah. And so I thought I can't, I got there and in in dressed as neil and I sort of chicken out and thought I'm not I'm not going to actually go in and stand in the row and sing <laughs> feed the world let them know it's christmas even though they're muslims, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It, it it did seem a bit it also seems a bit I don't know. It's it, it, nowadays I think it would be investigated wouldn't it? The 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 tone, the colonialist tone yes, but, of the of the event yes, would nowadays come under some scrutiny yeah. I think. But then the intention was very good yes. anyway. And so I just hung around in the studio and filmed the sort of the making of stuff right. there was a cam- camera guys going around the side. So I didn't do the singing bit and um we did a routine me and status quo did a routine in the in the gents <laughs> for the cameras I don't mean a routine in the gents the way it sounds <laughs> but we did some I can't remember what we did but yeah so I messed about yeah and, and sort of led the making of okay. crew through yeah uh, which seemed to me more acceptable than being a comedy character
0: yes trying
1: to do something serious just didn't quite Seemed to be, yeah, seemed a bit condescending, you know.
0: I, I you know, I think it's it's a trade off, isn't it? And it is, I can see both sides of it, but I, I sort of do uh, veer to what you're saying, and I, I think you're right about that. Though it would have been great to have Neil saying, Thank God it's them, instead of you doing that line with Neil, <laughs> <laughs> it would have kind of ruined the song. It would have been great. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't great yeah. the way whoever did it anyway. Look, I've got so much more I want to talk to you about, uh, and um. What I've what I've really loved uh, recently on Twitter and uh, YouTube is that the Nicholas Craig stuff has sort of resurfaced, and I I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. almost forgot. I was I was I, it, I think out of all the post Young Ones shows by any of the Young Ones, I think that's the the best one and the best the most successful one. I think I think it, it, it was it's a, it's a very difficult act to follow, but because it's so different and it's so well observed. And the book was great. I remember getting the book, and the book was great. And then, the, did the series come after the book? Did the series come out of the book, or was it? The yeah, radio? the book was first. Yeah. The book was first. Yeah. So yeah, How'd, and
1: then the one man show, and then the series, and then radio, and then the TV cause series. Because they're all yeah, on, like
0: they're the all on uh, YouTube now, and, and people are, are tweeting them quite a lot. Most of them are. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're all okay. on, but uh, most of them are. Yeah. And what, what was the what was the genesis of of that was that was it just was that one looking into yourself a little bit and and taking the piss out of yeah yourself? well I,
1: it was it was because out of the comic strip and the young ones that were no longer sort of uh the pressing you know there was no longer you've got to do this and you've got to yeah. do that the, the demand was slightly fading and I thought all my mates have got their own TV shows, and they're all doing—you know—they all—they're all doing the same as what we did before. French and Saunders yeah. and Rick and Aid are doing this stuff now. Everybody's sort of moving onward in the same direction, and I seem to have—it seems to have not been that. And I want to—what was it that—that that was good? What have I done? That what, what was good about what I did? And I thought it was because Neil was came from my own. Uh, um, failings or whatever, you know, my own past, living in a squat, traveling to Asia, uh, uh, overland <laughs> with no money and generally, um, and the drugs, um, <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. And so Neil ca- came out of all the people I'd met during a period of my life and the, and the sort of a satirical comment on say Windsor Festival, which I thought was a joke, you know, um, I thought it was a terrible thing. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought, well, what is it that I've ever done that, 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 you know, why don't I go back to how I laid a good egg rather than try and exploit the egg I've already laid? Because sure. I, I tried to exploit Neil and it ended up being a bit of a, you know, I did a record, I did a book I did a tour and, and it ended up being a bit over exploited and became slightly a parody of itself. Sure. And I, I, I thought I'll try and make it like Barry Humphreys and make him go into sort of hippie superstar or something. And it, it, none of that really worked. No. And so I thought I'll go back to the genesis of this. And what have I been these last few years? I went to drama school. I get very, 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 very sort of uptight about people not taking acting seriously. And that's, <laughs> they all used to tease me and the young ones and say, oh, you know, you're the. Oh, you're, you're the. You know, I used to. Throw actor hissy fits right. and be very actorish, <laughs> and you know one one day we were filming with with um, Lemmy from Motorhead in the middle of Devon somewhere, and the call was at five fifteen in the morning, and at five fifteen in the morning they'd all been drinking the night before, <laughs> but I was a proper actor, and so I got an early night in and learned my lines like you do, yes. and at five fifteen in the morning. I was the only person there waiting to go. Even the driver, you know, was hung over and fast asleep. And then down the stairs came Lemmy, who obviously had drunk more than anybody. He was the only other professional (laughs) actor in the whole film. And uh, so I thought, I'll go back to doing, you know, the genesis of it. What, what, What made this work? And I'll create another character and... And so I, I, I thought up this character Nicholas Craig, and then I met, I wrote some stuff for him. But it wasn't quite spunky enough, and I met um, Christopher Douglas, who writes Ed Reardon right. and and Bard on the on the radio, yeah. and he very much knew what I was talking about because both of his parents and step all, all actors and in the business, he'd been a child actor. Right. He was the cheeky waiter in crossroads. <laughs> um, you know, he knew that he knew the scene yeah. and has a very, very sharp, vicious, you might say wit, you know, he's, he's really cruel, yeah. The the more cruel stuff comes, you know, he's, he's very, very acute. And, um, so we teamed up and, and wrote the book and it gradually it became more of a, a performance thing for me. Originally I wasn't sure I was even going to be the performer right. of it. We were just one, and then as I became the performer of it, he became the writer and director of it. And we shared the creativity, but but so um and we ended up doing those TV things. Yeah. Again, God knows how they allowed us to do that. We had to do them rather like the young ones. We had to do them through a different department. Right. Young Ones had to be done through variety. That's why we had the bands, because of the budget. Yes. We couldn't get into, into the comedy department. And with Nicholas Cray, we had to do it through news and features. <laughs> because it was real, from the Late Show. Um, the Late Alan Yentob's Late Show, where they did cultural yeah. comment. And uh, he, he first appeared doing a, 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 a sort of so Cultural Comment I think about the Wogan Show. Right. And we wrote that first sort of piss take of of how to behave on a Wogan show. Right. Um, if you get asked. You know, you have to say for me I think that's for me and you show all the extracts of all the actors who've said for me yes. on on Wogan. <laughs> and um and from that with the same producer Caroline Wright, we sort of developed it into this these T V series. Yeah.
0: It's, well, I think it's, you know, it probably stands up better than, you know, it's very hard for comedy to work 20 or 30 years later, I think, anyway, you know, and, and uh, The Young Ones is still worth watching, but it's, but it's you know, it doesn't have the same excitement. But I think the 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 Nicholas Craig stuff, it just feels just as fresh as it, it, it that could easily have been made. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, it's lovely, but it's lovely Amazing. stuff. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a a bit in for for people in the business, possibly, but I don't. I think yeah. I, you know, but I don't think it is because you broaden out. I think
1: people are more literate now; yeah, they? They they're are. more screen literate yeah.
0: with it and everything. And I
1: think just the, we made a decision not, you know, to be as in as we could because we thought whenever if we do like a Harry Enfield um, spoof of an actor, he'll have to say "darling" a lot and he'd be. And it, let's just do it exactly how we feel the people we actually know let's do it for real and and you know it it might not sell as many tickets yeah. sort of thing but at least we've done this thing that's that's kind of authentic yeah no it's, it, you know, it, it really
0: is authentic. It's, you know it's the lovely way always you know this false modesty of not wanting to take over <laughs> oh <laughs> <You> yeah get... <laughs> and they go no 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 <laughs> like, no, oh, no, no go on right. Nick go on <laughs> and they've all been told to say it no it's it's, it's absolutely lovely and uh, you know I think uh, I think I was saying this to you before we we came on air but I think what 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 I always admire and what I always sort of hope for in my own c- career as well is to sort of just the longevity of keeping on working and doing a variety of things and um uh, you know, and, and always being there. And I think what's when you look through your whole career, um, I mean, you're still working now, you're still writing now, and you sort of ch- seem to be churning out plays uh, now, which is fantastic because a lot of people uh, would sort of rest on their laurels. But also you've you're both, you know, you've worked with, you were worked in the ch- uh, films like Yellowbeard where you're w- working with uh, some of the pythons, and and but you've also worked with the the next generation... Uh, along a lot, you've been in a lot of um, sitcoms. I mean, you're in Brazil as well, of course, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, carry on Columbus as well, but you know, can't have everything. Which is not so absolutely fantastic, <laughs> <domestic, really>. but <laughs> still no. exciting to be in the carry on. You're still you're in that genre, but you you've managed to you know to to find a place uh, throughout all of this career and and still be kind of hit you know hitting the marks and, and coming up with stuff and, and, and appearing alongside, you know, the, the stars of today as well, which is, you know, isn't true of everyone. Well,
1: that's, that's brilliant to say I found a place that I don't, I don't, I don't feel that, no. but now you've said it, I probably will. That's but just fantastic. It's
0: very, it's a, it's incredible. You know, I think often with this, with doing this podcast, I'll have people on, and either they're newish, and I haven't I haven't seen everything they've done, or they've been going for a long, long time, and you you you're not necessarily aware of everything. But when you when you look at someone's career and go, "Oh my goodness," you know, and I think some people do just coast, or they they give up, or or the career gives up on them. And I think with you, it's you know, you're always. I mean, you've moved into musicals. Uh, you've. Uh, I mean, like you were always doing. I know you'd understudied. Uh, David Essex in uh, Evita, so you were always, that was always there. Um, but um, but also like uh, playing parts in that uh, other people's sitcoms. You're in Death in Paradise, which is my kind of guilty pleasure obsession that I- uh, It is a guilty uh, pleasure, that, isn't it?
1: It's- that was, I really enjoyed
0: doing yeah, that one too. Well, I keep on mentioning- I it. did a Father Brown as well. Oh yes. That's, another,
1: that's <laughs> another guilty pleasure. It's nice to play, I like it when I get offered kind of seedy characters yes. to do. And those are both- Really untrustworthy, <laughs> seedy, <laughs> seedy kind of old school types. Yeah. You know what I mean.
0: Yeah. And, um, and you've been—that was, that was fun. I mean, uh, there's there's so much that we, I want to try and get in. I'll try and get some of it in. But um you've been working with Aid Edmondson again. So you did uh, Vulcan yeah. Seven. Yeah, Vulcan. We wrote a play. Yeah. We took it on
1: tour, um, and we've now done a rewrite, and it's now called. We've changed the title. Right. It's now called, is heading straight towards us. Okay. <laughs> um, and it, it, it worked just the day before the lockdown last year, yeah. we did a reading. We realized we're a bit too old to play those two main characters now. Okay. And also the two of us acting together made it a bit um, young onesie. The audience expectation sure. was that there'd be a lot of shouting and farting and things. So we got, some proper actors in to play the parts for this reading okay um to see if we could get it on in the west end and we nearly we were talking about it and then the lockdown happened so i don't know i hope that gets picked up again it's called it's heading straight towards us we had um tony gardner oh great um and samuel west oh i love both samuel west was playing my part, and Tony Gardner was playing Adrian's part, oh, but I mean they're no longer our parts. They're what we they're what we wrote sure. and performed, but um, and it worked. It worked really well with with two proper actors <laughs> being being you know just being hideous to each other. Sure. Whereas with us two, there was a slight tendency to just start shouting at each <laughs> other because that's that's what we sort of fell back on. You know what I mean? But um, it's I think it's really funny. It's two guys. And their runner caught in a, in a caravan on the side of a volcano who are stuck there while they're filming the seventh in the series of Vulcan films. Right. They're actors and they knew each other and there's a lot of history between them that's very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they get stuck there and the set moved up and up as the avalanche, you know, as the volcano. And at the, 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 the end, we were literally on a set like that crawling up the set. <laughs> um, it's very funny and it's really quite touching at the end as well in a proper sort of bromance way. Yes, great. It's 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 a lovely play that. And then I've got a tour. So I, well, I hope to plug that something? Yes, please do. Hopefully that, yeah, my plug for the day, because I'm just astonished that it's happening. Um, after... You know, as you say, I've written a lot of things and basically everything came to a halt Yes. Uh, over a year ago, just all stopped. Um, but then out of the blue, something called the Northern Theatre of Comedy, Northern Comedy Theatre. This guy, um, I, I, I got to in, put in touch with him and sent him a script that everyone rejected like three years ago, something like that. It never... It was it was a farce. It's a just a comedy thing, yeah. And everybody said, no, you can't do that for this reason or that reason or whatever. And I ha- I have worked on it since, so I've I have improved it. Sure. Anyway, he he said, oh, I'll do that. Um, it's called All Above Board, okay. And he casts it with local actors in Liverpool, and he's he puts it on tour, and it's going to Coventry and all through July, August, September. Oh, fantastic! It's an actual. An actual gig. I can't believe it. You know, <laughs> after a year of total despondency, the the play that actually is first off the off the marks is is the one you'd given up on. Oh, that's you true. know. I thought, oh, no, you know, nobody want that <laughs> because they told me they didn't. You know, and but this guy's seen how it's funny, and, and the moment someone believes in it, I've gone back and written a draft that actually is pretty funny now I reckon I reckon it's it's now sort of in better shape because he said no that's funny don't change that bit. you know because <laughs> he gave me the the courage yeah you know because you, you need to have somebody believing in it don't
0: you You do and it's so good to hear that you know because again as a writer and you know it's the if people are mad there are people who can get everything they write made but most writers are writing and writing and writing and and 90% of what they're doing will never you know really see the light of day so it's, do you think it's as bad as that? Yeah, is, I think it? it probably is. Well, it is for me. <laughs> so, so it, gets, it is for me. Yeah. As I'm getting yeah. older, I'm thinking, oh, that'll never happen. But you know, it, just to even hear that, you go, oh, well, maybe someday someone... Will
1: maybe go. there's hope.
0: Yeah. It just takes one person. It is really interesting. You know, it's interesting you mentioning Paul Jackson, because Paul Jackson, a couple of times in my career, has just stepped in and gone, oh, no, you've got to have Richard Herring or you've got to have Leon Herring. And, and it, we weren't going to be going anywhere. It just takes that one person to go, well, you know, what do you think? You know, with that, the whole... Returned to us for the BBC was Paul Jackson saying, oh, you've got to have Lee and Herrick. What are you talking about?" And then he did the same for me on ITV and got my thing on I, the last thing I did on ITV. Oh, really? So yeah. you know, it's when you've yeah. got somebody in your corner who will stand up for you. It's it's such an amazing thing to to get, but you know, it it is it's all it's rare. It's, it's rare, and it's but it's keeping on pushing on, and that's you know, but I th- and and it's reinventing and and not just you know. I think that's what's interesting because I think you could still have you could have. Just thought I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push Neil until it's really you know in the ground, <laughs> and and I think you know you, you stepped away you really. Uh, I, I think you I, I think, think I think did, did, I think you that? could you could bring it back now and people. Well, no, oh, I think I'm not sure. I think you could have done more with it, and I think people, I think you could bring it back, but I think it's much more interesting to carry on. I was interested to hear that he was Neil's uh, like a massive hit in Catalonia, which I did not. Which yeah, I didn't know yeah. About.
1: Incredible I had to I, it, on the street in Barcelona, I get recognized right. um as Neil, but not from my voice because of course I was dumped <laughs> by this guy um, who who does it in a completely different way, so if I want people to laugh <laughs> at, in, in, at Neil, I have to go oh to you, <laughs> I have to talk in this completely different cartoony voice, malaria <laughs> like that <laughs> Mal karma. Mal karma. <laughs> it's um, it's ridiculous. But I I went out there and did a did a one man show and they you know, which was semi in Catalan. I learnt some bits of Catalan, right. but then I'm not Eddie Izzard. I can't do shows in nine languages. <laughs> but um, I I did it sort of half in Catalan and then Ivana, uh, this friend came and does a sort of interview translation and we we kind of. Linguify together and, um, yeah, it's great. It was, it was good. We did, um, a, another play I'd written is is really big still in Barcelona now called El That's Sostre. Sick. It's, um, <coughs> on the ceiling, which again didn't do that well in this country, uh, did quite well and it went on radio, yeah. Um, it was did okay, but not you know, but in Barcelona, the people are thinking it's great, it's a two-hander. And people just love it. It's about the Sistine Chapel. So, but again, the, uh, my, my getting high on thinking, this is great. I can relive my youth walking around the streets of Barcelona. <laughs> That's kind of died a bit now, what with the, with the lockdown. It has. But
0: it did go to, go to my head a bit, <laughs> I must admit. And so, do you, do you like Big Red? Because it, it felt like, you know, from stuff I've read and heard you talking about, it, it felt like, that level of success that you had with the young ones became, you know, not only being beaten up in the street, which wasn't directly to begin with <laughs> to do with that, but, uh, but being recognized and having people shouting catchphrases at you was something that's, that maybe annoyed you, but, uh, do you, do you sort of miss it or are you are you, are you glad that, uh, that it's, it's moved on from that? Um, it, there's a
1: level at which it was really uncomfortable. Sure. Um, and there's people who grab your elbow and won't let you, you're going somewhere and they'll grab your elbow and say, Oi, come here, come here. He's, this is, it's him, you know, and you, that's really intimidating. Yeah. And I, I, I don't like that, um, but it, I don't know. I've got so used to it. it. It, you know, there's been, there's actually been more of my life with that than there has without yes. that. Sure. Which is, you know, when you get old, you think, God, this is the most of my life's been like that. So I've got nothing to compare it with anymore now. Sure. Um, (laughs) It can get get uncomfortable, but not, I mean, it's quite nice now. I remember thinking, hey, I'm in a supermarket. It's great. I can actually get round a supermarket. And I don't know how people, I mean, maybe some people really do enjoy that constant reminder. Yeah of their job of their work. Uh, uh, and it's, I don't really enjoy that constant reminder. I like it when people have seen something obscure, like I really like, if you'd come up on to me on the street and said, Oh, that Nicholas Craig, you know, that really stands the test of time. Yeah. That's really good. That is well <laughs> done. You know, that's just, that would make my day. Sure. That's brilliant. And you did make my day today <laughs> saying that, but, but, um, just people going like throwing snowballs at you because they think you're Neil from The Young Ones and it's OK to smash you on the head. You know, that's not that's there's not much good about that.
0: <laughs> yes, I guess so. Uh, but. um Look, i won't ta- i won't take up too much more of your time also i'm getting uh, my connections getting really uh, weird so i'm going to it. yeah i'm going i'm just uh, i mean it's uh, the delay's getting almost uh i think it's working for everyone else but I'm, I'm 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 finding it a bit difficult to uh, keep up but uh, look it's i am so uh appreciate you uh taking the time out to talk to us and i hope everyone will go and see your play and i hope the uh the the uh, the science fiction one will uh, will reappear out of the ashes yeah, of yeah. the volcano. It's not really a science fiction no, one.
1: It's a it's an actor chat. It's yes. a
0: caravan one. Yes, well, sure. It's a bitching one. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but it's so lovely to talk to you. And, and uh, honestly, um, you know, all all the stuff you've done has been. I, I, I hope you appreciate uh, how much uh, the, the influence of everything you and 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 obviously the whole of the comic strip did uh, has had on on a on a generation of comedians i think you know and i think talking wow. to you you realize again there's a lot of things even in the stuff you've talked about that presage what was to come with with lots of other things so it's it's um you know i'd like to thank you for that personally and thank you for all that sitting wow. here in cheddar yeah. where i had all the young ones on tapes which i'd written vhs <laughs> vhs tapes yeah. and they just played yeah. them and played them and played them so it's uh it's uh Absolutely fantastic to uh, talk to you. Uh, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, next well, week, you. Uh, I'm back in the theatre for the people at home, listening at home. And uh, I'll be talking to Jeff Norcott. I've already recorded it, so it's confusing for me. Uh, but we're back in the theatre. This is the last remote one for a little while, but we might pick up the occasional one just for fun. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the amazing Nigel Planer. Thank you very much. Hooray. See you thank next you. week, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. All right. You have been listening to With me Richard Herring And my guest Nigel Planer Thank you to Scant Regard For this Controversial But brand new Theme tune Which uh, Will not get us Into any kind of trouble As Companies increasingly Crack down On What they consider Unlicensed music Even though we did have The rights to the previous one This is just easier for us So thank you to Scantregard. Regard I'm loving the new tunes Um I'm indebted to my producer and friend, Chris Evans, not that one. I'm indebted to Ben Walker, of course, who's uh, been putting the ads together for us and we will be returning to producer duties very soon. Um, and I also would like to thank everyone at ACAS, British Comedy Guide, etc. Uh, and my mum and dad, for this one genuinely, for uh, allowing me to broadcast from their home um, when I should have been spending some time with them. Sorry for that, I've messed up. Uh, when I when this one was going to be and forgot I was going to cheddar. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Please go to GoFastTheStripe.com slash badges, become a monthly badger. You will get news about forthcoming guests before everyone else, plus badges, plus ad-free podcasts, uh, plus a membership pack with a secret code, plus access to hundreds and hundreds of extra backstage videos and other stuff that is not available. Really do check out richshame.com slash gigs and come and see, come of those these last uh, live shows at the flat and ground. Very exciting, lineup, I know you will.